0: Our reality is but a dimension, the uppermost layer in a tower of mirrors. Beneath it are the many reflections cast by our reality, similar but not entirely the same. A staggering number of worlds, lands beneath a dark sun, a world of three moons forsaken by the gods, realms long forgotten and countless thousands more. You are about to enter one such reflection, a world still recovering from a magical apocalypse. A place where magic is regulated, goblins trade their wares throughout the lands, and the North is dominated by giants. Today, the sun rises over Hymerion and the Wilderin. This is An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. And now, chapter 12, of an acorn's journey, a DMD story.
1: Gorum stands and immediately charges down towards the octopoid creature, picking up a
2: fallen log as he does so. I believed our plans were for an ambush, but I guess this works too. I'm going to stand my ground and continue to fire arrows, but now I'm going to target the eye. This scene unfolds before
1: the entire group. A large, rocky creature charges towards the octopoid. It swivels around and faces it tentacles at the ready. It has an arrow sticking out of it, so you know that Longway has already engaged it. We'll go around the table. Earring.
3: I've had my bow out. It's the monster, the the octopoid, or whatever the hell it is in sight yes is its eye in sight yes about how far away is it 40 feet that's it holy crap earring will stay with the child the child move with hearing it has been so i take an action and it will take the same action as me then i will back up with the child 30 feet keeping it within five feet of me and i will as a bonus action cast zephyr strike and aim at the monster's eye That's a nine, and a nine.
2: That'll be a miss and a miss. Did you hit? Nine. <laughs> <laughs> Long way. I'm going to loosen an arrow, and as I've said, I'm going to try to target the eye. That is going to be a 23 to hit.
1: That is a good hit.
2: Oh. And that is eight points damage. The
1: creature wheels around in the direction that your arrow came from. Borom attacks with the log, and breaks the log over the creature's head, for lack of a better term. It's more of this bulbous central body. <laughs> yeah.
3: What manner of creature is Gorum? He is a essentially
1: a pile of rocks. He almost looks like an earth elemental. He's humanoid in shape. He's got discernible legs, a trunk, arms, and a very low, almost flat head with two black eyes and a large like Brow ridge, across it. He's a being you haven't encountered before. There's stories from the old times of the Wilderan about these creatures that lived here, and much like you, it is believed that their race has been in decline for a long time. Soon they'll be gone from Hymirin.
4: Ash, Ash is going to launch off of the tree and begin a slow glide, so all I will be doing this uh, round is gliding 30 feet closer to the creature.
1: Okay, and that's your, your full movement. Is that is 30. my full
5: movement, it's 30. Madri? You said this creature's about 40 feet from us.
1: Madri's going
5: to... It's a little bit farther from you and Dash. Okay. Madri's going to glance at Longway, kind of indicate this the earth elemental rock thing. You know, the, the silent communication that they have over the years. Is this thing our friend? Is this... What is this? Madri shoots you a questioning look.
2: My passive perception is a 13. Am I even going to see this? Because I am intent in, in combat at the moment. No. Or should wouldn't. I roll a perception? If, well, he's not trying to get my attention. Right. He's just looking my way. So my passive perception probably isn't high enough to see the signal. He is but intent. we. But, but I'm right behind him, and he, he they had to have seen this thing burst forward from where I was standing.
5: All right. He uh, takes his short bow out, boosts an arrow at the tentacled being. 24, 25. That'll hit. 11 damage. 11 damage. Your arrow
1: finds its mark in the <laughs> central orb, and the thing wheels about in your direction now.
5: Madry moves up 20 feet, staying okay. behind the rolling boulder, but getting
6: closer. Mokui? So it's about 45 feet away from me, you said? A- about. I will move up 15 feet. Misty step behind it. Okay. Then bonus action, use a wild shape. Okay. I'd be going into a giant constrictor. It's a okay. huge beast. The mists swirl around you, and you walk through this
1: plain that is devoid of color. You still see the forest around you, different shades of black and gray. fades to the vibrant colors of the wilderin, and you are now behind the creature as it is facing Madri. There is a bellow of pain from Mokui as he throws his head back. Bones begin to snap and crunch and his shape is lost, his arms and legs disappear, and in his place is a massive snake of the same color as Madri.
6: And that'll be it for my turn.
1: The only thing that is nearby to the creature is the rock beast, Gorum. It attacks Gorum, the rock creature. It wraps its tentacles around him, and... Tosses him aside into a tree. It strikes the tree with such force that branches and leaves fall from the tree. He begins to rise again.
3: Earring. Earring will cast Zephyr Strike again and aim for the monster's eye. Dirty 20. Dirty 20 hits. Earring will mark the creature as his favorite foe. five points of normal damage, two points of force damage, and three points of psychic damage.
1: For a total of 10. Correct. Arrow finds its mark in the bloated body of the creature. The creature twitches a moment, and then you can see the ripples of the energy pass across the creature's body through its eyes. It shudders and wheels around to face your direction.
2: And I will loose an arrow towards his eye again. Shooting at the eye seems to work pretty well. 23.
1: 23 hits.
2: For max damage, yay, 11 points.
1: Your arrow finds its mark, this time closer to that orb of an eye. The creature takes its attention off, earring, and immediately wheels about towards you and begins to move.
2: If it moves towards me, then I'll use my movement to uh, keep the same amount of distance, which is about 60 feet from, I imagine, where I am. So I'll maintain that 60 feet, just backing up, over my shoulder once and again to make sure I'm not going to crash into anything, knock another arrow, and wait for my next opportunity.
1: Dash, you, are, you have now crookedly glided towards the creature. I'm what going is your to plan? crash into him. You're going to crash into him? Yep,
4: with a fist to wherever I hit. Okay,
1: roll your attack. Ooh, that's a 10. You crash into the creature. The rest of you see Dash a living torpedo, gliding towards the creature. Dash bounces off, legs and arms splaying out. He lands on one of the testicles. Tentacles.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's just where I (laughs) want to be. Stabby, stabby, stabby. We are not cutting that out. (laughs) Uh, (laughs)
4: That's
2: good. And the whole, you were dead serious, the whole table just stopped and went, uh. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, fuck. wrong coals.
1: <laughs> Dash, you are prone on the tentacle. Legs and arms dangling off either side. You are shaking the cobwebs out of your head.
5: Madri? Madri gauges his distance from his creature, our boulder friend. Where is he to this creature? He is about 20 feet away, back to a tree. Tree. Alright, Madry's gonna go up and run up to this thing and start wailing on it. He runs up and throws a, a just a meaty, meaty fist at this thing. Rolls well, his attack and he remembers to take his dice out.
1: 16. You thunder towards the creature, leap into the air, fist ready, strike down at the creature who bats you aside with one of its tentacles. Mokui? I will try to constrict it. 25. 25 is a good hit. You see... Mokui, in snake form, begin to slither up the body of the creature as he begins to tighten and constrict around it, pinning some of the tentacles
6: to the bulbous central body. It'll take 13 points of damage, and it has to make a DC 16 check against the grapple. DC 16? Yep. That'll be a, a 1. <laughs> the, it is in mo- it, it, unable to move.
1: The octopoid is upon two of its tentacles, using it as legs. When you wrap it up and begin to constrict. You take one of the legs out from under it as you pin it to the body of the creature. The other leg buckles under the weight of both you in your snake form and the creature, and the creature drops upon its back on top of you. You roll the creature over so it is now on the bottom of you and begin to constrict. When you do so, it lets out this ear-piercing, very shrill cry. Soon, you hear, off in the very far distance, the baying noises. Gorum rises and begins to run towards the creature. Each thunderous step seems to rock the ground itself. The beast composed of heavy chunks of stone, stray branches now from the tree, and the occasional piece of quartz. Two heavy stone legs lead to a massive angular midsection, There's bits of grass and other plants that stick out from the gaps in this monstrous earthen body. Slates of rock jammed together tightly make up a rough-hewn face with a jagged mouth. Its thick arms slam the ground cracking the stone below as it raises its maw into the air and releases this deep roar. The booming sound is accompanied by a sharp hiss of scattering gravel as it rains down from the beast's body. This is the first time that you've gotten a good look at it because he is now charging towards you. He closes the distance and raises two mighty rocky fists in the air over his head. I'll close my eyes and hope he doesn't hit me. (laughs) (laughs) You bind the creature tightly. It struggles for a moment, but then your strength proves to be far too much for it to overcome now. Earring. Mokui has this thing grappled. He's in a constrictor form, something very different than what you're used to seeing. What are you going to do?
3: What direction did the bang noise come from? The bang noise came from the southeast. Can we set up the map in a way that, you know, will give me a better idea of position? Yes. Earring will stay back with the child. The bang seems to be coming from past the monster and not in a different direction. So Earring will... Take a shot at the prone monster, which grants advantage.
1: Yes, there is a risk that you might hit Mokui,
3: though. Just keep that in mind. The way I've been rolling. (laughs) That is a 22. That'll be 12 points of normal damage and two points of psychic damage, so 14.
1: An arrow slams into the creature's body right next to your head, Mokui.
6: My eyes are still closed.
1: There is a ripple of energy that you can feel underneath you. The creature's body trembles for a moment, it, it begins to let out one of those shrieks, but the shriek is cut short, That is it is so heavily constricted by your snake form. Long way? Did they fall toward me, or away? It fell ever so slightly towards you. Distance-wise, how far am I from it? You didn't back up before,
2: no, did you? No, I did not. Once it was constricted, I stopped moving forward or moving backwards. About 50 feet. Okay. So I'm going to dash up to the creature. If I need to, I will use a little bit of movement to climb onto the creature. I have dropped my bow. I have drawn my sword. My target is the eye. How much is your dashing movement? You're with 60
1: feet. 60? So you are at the creature. Okay. Next round, you can climb on the creature providing that it is still in the prone position and grappled
2: while i'm here i think i'm going to it's down i'm going to to use this opportunity i'm going to use action surge as as a bonus action and i am going to make an attack okay make your attack 17 17 will hit seven points damage
1: You drive your sword into the creature's body. It appears as though it's attempting to struggle a great deal, but it remains motionless with the exception of the tentacles that are directly facing you. Those are the only two of its six tentacles that don't seem bound up by the snake. Dash, you find that you have rode the creature down. It is prone. You
4: are still astride a tentacle. Dash will use his movement to get up. I can maintain purchase on this tentacle because he's like prone.
1: It is writhing. It is one of the tentacles that is still moving. It is, appears to be searching the ground for wherever the most recent attack came from, that being from Longway.
4: I will draw my short sword and stab directly into the tentacle. Okay. 14.
1: A 14 will miss.
4: <laughs> Oh, sorry, an advantage because he's prone? You may have advantage. Nope, that was a one.
1: (laughs) The movement of the creature's tentacle seems to pose some difficulty
4: with you finding your mark. As a bonus action, I get pissed off and rage. You hear the shrill battle cry of your
1: fairy companion as he stands, fists clenched, face changing colors from red to purple to red, veins bulging on his neck, that one squiggly vein tracing a awkward line up his forehead from the bridge of his nose,
5: Madri. Madri uh, picks himself up and dusts himself off and heads into a this downed creature. He moves into where the eye is, close to the eye, and just starts punching at the side of this thing's head hard as he can um, he's going to make his first attack 24 ish 24 ish hits <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, 5 nope 4 and 3 is 7 7 points of damage Madri
1: begins fiercely beating the side of this creature's body fist after fist
5: lands on its bulbous frame there's a flurry of blows in there too I think both my flurry of blows
2: missed. You're at oh. advantage.
5: Oh, I'm at advantage. Ah. I'm not reminding anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Nine and six is 15. This is a 15 hit. 15 misses. 15 misses. Okay, one of the flurry of blows misses. The other one hits with a 21, 22. Ish. 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 A 21, 22 ish. It's, it's a good hit. Seven seven gives me a lightning fist, slams into the side of it for five damage.
1: There is a crackle of energy as you as your key power activates. Ever so slight traces of electrical energy trace your forearms from your knuckles as you slam into the creature. There is a soft glow of yellow energy that traces itself all, off along the body of this, this creature that's constricted
6: by Mokui. And I will continue constricting for another 13, but then he'll get, on his turn, he gets to make his uh, DC save again. Scrapple save.
1: And that's a DC 13, you said,
6: right? 16. 16.
1: The creature struggles against, against your ever-tightening grip, and there is a, a grotesque crackling of, of bone and popping of skin as Goo begins to ooze out of it. It, That one large central eye begins to bulge, and there is a loud, sickening pop as the eye shoots forward out of the body of the creature, trailing goo and fibrous material
6: with it. I'm just holding squeezing it still. The carnivores will be happy
5: they've got dinner. Creature is now dead.
6: I haven't opened my eyes yet. (laughs)
3: is the bang getting closer the bang has stopped for a moment do we wait dash
4: would you please mutilate the eye absolutely gladly (laughs) take out I will start oh that's a 19 you don't have to roll
1: (laughs) it is an eye that is no longer in the body I am
4: going to sever the nerve that attaches it to the uh, center of the body and then start punting the eye like a sucker ball.
3: How big is the eye compared to Dash? I was just about to ask the same. It is the size of a serving platter. It is just slightly
1: smaller than Dash. He runs up in a fit of rage and hacks the central nerve, and hacks it again, and hacks it again, and begins kicking it with, with this savagery and kicking and punching and kicking and punching and kicking and punching uh, until there is goo and oozy things dripping from the battered eye he's covered with all this mucus like goo because it's spraying up from the eye every time he kicks it
3: and as he's mutilating the eye do the other creatures come closer you can't hear the baying you haven't seen
1: any of the other creatures for quite a while. It's hard to tell where they are at this point. The child just stands there, curiously blinking at Mokui, who is now a a snake, then shifting its attention to
3: Dash, who's savaging the the disembodied eye. As a precaution, I'm gonna beckon the child and walk uh, walk towards the group, just in case the other ones might be trying to sneak up behind. We
2: interrupt this podcast of An Acorn Journey to talk about our sponsor. You're a new DM who wants to jump behind the screen. Maybe you've been volunteered by your gaming group but aren't quite ready. You've been watching people play games online or on podcasts and you're thinking to yourself, where do they come up with all that descriptive narrative? There's no way I can do that. Well, don't worry. We've got a solution for you. What if I were to tell you that I can put a team of professional writers alongside you at your desk while you're prepping your game. Sounds pretty good, huh? With Describe, we can do just that. These narratives vividly describe monsters, places, spells, people, you name it. It's there. And there are more than 6,000 of these easy-to-search-up, copy and pastable, beautifully written narratives right at your fingertips. Confidently read these narratives aloud in your campaign and impress noob and veteran gamer alike. And the best thing about it is... The library of narratives is constantly growing and it's affordable. Describe has graciously provided us with a discount for our listeners. Head on over to describe.com/dmd. That's d s c r y b.com/dmd. Use the code DMD at checkout to try Describe for 2 weeks for free. Links will be in the show notes. And now, back to an acorn's journey, a DMD story.
1: The child follows you over, stopping briefly at the eye and watching Dash
3: savage it. She pokes it. She. It. Pokes it. They. 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 It. They. Well, because we don't don't know. It doesn't have a gender or anything. Yeah,
2: it's. It only has a name that you refuse to use. It pokes at the eye
1: with the shaft of the hecla.
4: All right, Acorn. Go.
1: And looks to you for approval. So it continues to poke and prod the thing. I'll Dash astride the eye now, grappling it and punching it and rending at it, covered in aigu covered in aigu continues his assault on the disembodied
3: eye. I'm going to keep a watch out for the other creatures.
2: I'm going to go up to Gorum, pat him a couple times. Go. We leave the corpse to you, my friend.
1: There are others that I need to hunt. I will bid
2: you farewell. I hope you feel vindicated versus this one. I do. I thank you. Until we meet again, my friend. Until we meet again. I'll then address everyone else. I led the group off a quarter mile or so with a few deceptions. If we need to move, we're going to move now, while we still have the advantage of distance. I want to release the corpse?
3: I, I really thought you were going to try and go inside of it. No.
2: <laughs> I'll retrieve whatever arrows I can that weren't broken in the fall and the constriction. You can salvage one. That's. I mean, I have an awful lot, but... I was more concerned with the arrows for, airing as opposed to myself. But the, the heads, of
1: most you can, you can take.
2: Okay. We'll quickly extract them. Um, if it takes too long, that I'm just going to leave them, because we don't. Time is of an essence, and we need to move. There's still that group of five back there. I've injured one a few times, with some arrows to draw them off. I don't know how long that'll last. It might heal itself. It may not. But either way, there's still a distance away. We have time to gain the advantage of even more. When they get here, they're going to expect this. I'm sure they are. That, again, gives us a, no, a little bit more time. So let's move as quickly as possible.
6: So what I'm going to do is, uh, what I'm trying to I know I'm huge size, so I'm going to pull up to earring and to child and lean sideways, see what they do. Lean sideways? Yeah, I'm trying to get them to, let's give a little tilt
3: to my I'm back. I'm going to guide the child away from the snake and move
2: in the direction
3: that we should be moving in.
6: And I'll move up to Longway and Dash next and give him a little tilt.
2: I'm going to hook a, uh, my claw underneath the scale ever so gently um, and swing up onto the snake.
4: going to uh, climb up. Should I should be able to find enough perches on the scales. Climb up right behind the head and sit down like I'm riding a giant sandworm.
1: Dash <laughs> plops down on your back with a moist squish still covered in
2: Aigu. Erring, you might want to get up here. Volkway moves awfully quick. I noticed when it lashed out out of the woods and, and grabbed the thing, it moved a whole lot faster than we can move, move, and we can all go at once. And it's going to leave a trail that's going to confuse them because it won't smell like anything else. It's going to smell like a giant snake.
6: Will, I thought exactly, Nadjuri be able to fit on it? Well, that's it's a question huge. for the DM. I'm a huge creature.
1: How fast do you move? 30. 30.
2: But it also hides the scent. We're not yeah. leaving footprints and things like that, touching stuff. It's going to be an unusual scent, and they may not want to follow this.
3: And Madri, the only problem with that idea is that there's this corpse right here, and Dash is covered in corpse goo.
2: Yeah, but he's also up in the ways, and this corpse is going to impregnate this entire area with this scent for quite some time, especially it's
6: down It's worth hand. a shot.
3: I, I, I'm just curious to know if Madri can fit on the snake before I, you know, do the same. Because if Madri can't fit on the snake, I'll go on foot and I'll let the child decide if they want to ride the snake or follow us.
2: Before I get too settled in and while he's trying to figure out who else is going to get on, I'm going to jump off and retrieve my bow. I did cast it off to one side, so I'm going to go retrieve it.
5: Madri climbs on top of uh, the giant snake, Mokwe.
6: (sighs) Oof!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Earring?
3: Does Madri fit the snake?
1: Madri fits with some modifications. He's got to tuck his feet up back on the snake so the tops of his feet are resting on the back, almost like he's resting on his heels while still grabbing a hold of the side of the snake's body with his thighs and his knees.
3: Then I will beckon the child onto the snake and I will sit directly behind the child the child looks at you and looks at the snake and then walks over you see for the
1: first time a smile as it climbs onto the snake just before we take
2: off did anyone take any injuries dash nope okay then I'm going to take another piece of my my shirt tear it off uh, actually no that they may have followed for that twice who's in front of me dash who's directly yep. behind me Adri. Magic, sorry about this. I'm going to reach back and grab a small, the hem of his tunic and rip off a small piece. Again, sorry about that. He doesn't Um, object. I'm going to wrap around the head of an arrow and before we take off I'm going to look off at a a distance off to one side, 90 degrees to where we're going, and I'm looking for the biggest opening I can find and launch an arrow. I don't care where it lands. I just want it to get as far away as possible to once again draw our scent away from where we're going.
1: You loose your arrow, it (laughs) flies through the canopy of the wilderin, scattering leaves onto
2: the forest floor as it disappears through the canopy. Well, I didn't want to shoot it quite that high because I didn't want it stuck in the top of a tree, but down you know, I, I can get it out there quite a ways, but it is as open as I can. And hopefully that will be enough to draw them off once again. Hey, okay, Madre, you, are you okay? It's, my shirt I, is much shorter now. It's just a hem. You'll be fine.
4: <laughs> You're wearing a shirt? You're showing it's, a little too much shell there. <laughs> okay, Moque. Give,
6: give him a couple pats on the side. We're all settled. And for the next hour, I'll move or forty-five minutes because they're getting off fifteen minutes before this ends.
4: <laughs> this is fun. You
1: you find that it it's uh, somewhat challenging to hold on to the snake as it moves through the, the forest. You have to really clamp down on the sides with your with your thighs and lean slightly forward to place your hands onto the body of the snake. But the movement seems to be fluid enough. The party is soon cruising at a comfortable pace through the Wilderin. For you, you soon realize how heavy your companions are. Even Dash, it seems like you're towing a cart full of ale casks. It's not fun. (laughs) Your idea. After 45
4: minutes or so, Mokui stops. Lean to the side. I'll jump off. The ride is over. Everyone please disembark and make your way to the exit.
1: (laughs) Your party climbs off your back.
6: And I will drop my wild shape.
1: And the snake slowly begins to shrink. Arms and legs begin to form. Small frog-like head begins to shape. And Mokui is left on the forest floor in a fetal position. Panting. <laughs> Tired. Looking,
3: looking quite exhausted. Approximately what time is it? It is late afternoon. And we have moved approximately how far away from
1: the fight? You've moved a great distance from the fight. You feel comfortable enough in knowing that once, once the, the hunters find the body, you will still have a pretty lengthy head start on them. You have yet to hear any baying, and Gorham didn't appear to go far. He walked past a few trees and sat down between two trees and tucked himself in, effectively looking like a
2: giant pile of boulders.
3: Should we look for a camp now or travel for an hour, another hour or two?
2: I say we, there's a few of us that can see in the dark. I think it would be most efficient if we stopped, at least for a short while, to gain some rest. Let Mokwe especially gain some rest. But just a few hours. And even if it's dark and then move in the dark, even if it's slow, it's still movement. I think between the corpse, the false trails, uh, the confusing trail of a giant snake, and Gorham, who has a, a score to settle, uh, we can you know, gain a considerable amount of distance as well. And then we'll look for something in the morning to rest where we can see, hopefully it's something defensible, but in the dark we're at a disadvantage whether we're resting or not. So I think we'll we'll move through the night, but let's get some at least a couple hours rest. Make sure everything you know. Like I said mo- again, mostly Mokwe needs to recuperate. Okay. That was very very exhausting for him. Thank you. I think if we keep moving through the night steadily, we'll maintain at least a lot of our distance. And then in the morning, where we can see a good distance, take watches and at least catch another afternoon of rest. Madri's going to check
5: the map one more time. Make sure everything is uh, on track. Make sure we're going in the right direction. Hearing the child touches your arm and tugs at your shirt sleeve.
1: I over. It looks up at you and says, Oma, and then points to the east.
3: Mentally says Oma or verbally says Oma? Vocally says Oma. Wow,
1: we are making our way there. It seems satisfied, nods, looks to everybody else,
4: and then tucks in next to you. Dash looks at at, uh, Acorn, walks over, holds out a hand. Way to go, kid. Time to talk. It tilts its head quizzically, bends
1: and picks up a stick. And presents it to you to your open hand.
4: All right, I'll take
3: it. Since we're we have a camp here, I will. We're not we're not camping, but we're taking a short rest. I will build a fire, take out some cooking gear, and I have that gator meat from earlier, and I will I will cook the gator meat.
2: I'm not so sure if fire is a good idea. That's going to alert them of some presence with the smoke on the wind.
3: Would I know anything about stealth fires? (laughs) <laughs>
1: yes. I
2: Alex would know
3: something would about making a stealth fire? Yes. Okay, then I will I will make a stealth fire. Something like a Dakota fire hole. Yeah. That'll obfuscate the smoke and then we can bury the the fire. Okay. So
1: you said about doing that, Madri, you said you were gonna check the map.
5: Yes, Madri checks the map. He wants to make sure that we're going in the right direction, make sure that we've got, you know, our trail, our path laid out on the map so we can backtrack if we need to.
3: Please look at the side with the ink on
5: it, <laughs> He's got the uh, the map, and and in front of him, he's taking his time. It's not a, a hurried hurried job this time, so he's he's look, studying. wait. Did
2: you write up on one of the borders to that thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> 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 just just a random question before I I roam off. He's checking the compass rose, and it's in the corner, making
5: sure north is north. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> Roll me a check.
5: Do you want to roll yours? I need this die's done. I'm done with this (laughs) die. What'd you get? It's a pretty die. Tell everybody it's a critical one.
2: Again,
5: every single cartography check or map check or survival check or whatever.
2: Here, it's the same dice, the same dice that I had. Switch.
5: It works great in combat. All right,
2: (laughs) I'm just offering. Just
5: offering. Madry's not the smartest.
1: You're, you're looking at the map, and you get this sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach. We're lost.
2: Nothing makes sense.
5: Madry uh, pales, as pale as a turtle can. And uh, nice, he, he starts looking around, just frantically looking around, uh, sweating and rubbing his forehead. And, We're lost. I don't, I don't know where we are. I got a 10. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too tired.
1: <laughs> you can see Mokri leaning over and looking at the map, and
2: he looks as nervous as Mandry does. I'm glad I walked away. <laughs> Me too. I can see the two of them just kind of, you know, they both look at the map, they both look up, they both look at each other, they look back at the map, they look both look up, they both look at each other.
6: <laughs> what did you do to it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't
2: know. It's, it seems to be changing
5: on its own. <laughs> It's not magical, I don't think.
6: It doesn't look like how it did before. <laughs> <laughs>
5: well, maybe if we look in a couple hours, it'll change.
6: I'm take a nap.
2: <laughs> I've moved off to the direction we came, maybe about 100 feet or so. Uh, set myself alongside the base of a tree just to watch, take up a position on our tail just in case.
1: You hunker down on the base of a thick oak and watch Earing prepare his, his fire. Mokui sits by the fire that Earring is preparing deep in thought. A great deal of concern on his face as he watches Madri flip the map in all different directions. So down is up, up is down, holding it on its side, flipping it over, checking the backside to make sure he didn't miss anything. This look of confusion on his face.
5: It's that frantic panic that you get when you remember that paper that you didn't write. And you're just like... Like all the notes you took, you're just trying to put something together. You have no idea. You're just terrified. That's what Madry looks like
6: right now. I think if we come back to this later, we're all a little tired. Hopefully it'll change back again. (laughs) (laughs) And
1: that's where we'll leave it for this week.
0: Join us next time as the adventure continues on An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. Thank you to our cast, Frank Whedon, Ben Petrie, Bill Robitaille, Louis Aponte, sin morse and your dm scott a special thanks to you our listeners you are why we do this every week we'll see you next time in the dojo